0: Welcome, everybody, to Draft Politics. It's episode 26. Very exciting today. So exciting, I can barely contain myself. This is EJ, as always, and with me... Hey, it's Steve.
1: Yeah, so uh, we took a week off, had some travel issues, a few things going on, so weren't able to record last week. We'll do our best to catch you up, but of course, the big news today, uh, Wednesday, we had uh, the first round of impeachment hearings, so... Public impeachment hearings. Public impeachment hearings, excuse me, no longer in Schiff's skiff. We're now in the full light of day as Republicans requested, and I'm sure that they are ready to take full understanding of the impeachment facts and are ready to move forward. Right. Note,
0: Republicans requested until such time as they were announced, and then they said they shouldn't happen. Oh, well, that's weird. I, I know. I know. I keep, Be
1: careful what you wish for, yeah, I guess.
0: I have to say that I keep meaning to try to go back and read contemporary, contemporaneous reports of the Clinton impeachment
1: saga. I'm 98% sure it was not like this. And keeping in mind, like, back then, that's far enough ago, that I was a Republican. Now, granted, I was young. And I I learned better. But. (laughs) Ladies and
0: gentlemen, thank you for listening to Draft Politics. It's been a good run. (laughs) (laughs) And now the
1: Rush Limbaugh
0: hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, still, I just, I feel like I owe it to the part of myself that says everybody can be a hypocrite sometimes to go back and listen to it. Because yeah. as I listen to Republicans now, I'm just like, what world are you living in? You don't have to say all of these things. You don't have to make
1: this stuff up. Anyway. Well, l- you l- know, I think, though, there is there is a, a commonality in in both cases of the opposing party has been sort of after that president for a while. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and eventually getting to the point that, okay, now we've got something that's serious enough and we have enough evidence that we think we can do an impeachment over that. Um, however, I feel like along the way, there was a lot of time spent on Clinton where literally nothing came up that was anywhere in the vicinity of criminal. It wasn't hinted at. There wasn't any sort of obstruction, et cetera, et cetera. It wasn't until they got into the, the blue dress and all that right. that they finally found something and it was only because he lied about it in court and right. it was even and the lie was a little
0: hazy. Just like this hazy IPA I have from Maplewood Brewery. Yeah, I I get that. I get that. It's more about the rhetoric around it. Yeah. So we had in the last couple of weeks first of all the official impeachment resolution. So remember the scathing but seriously not founded in any law letter sent from the White House to Congress that said you can't do this. You don't even have an official resolution from the whole House. So you can't have an impeachment, which, of course, doesn't matter. It's not a thing. Um, uh, they did have that full vote in the House, and it was as suspected, mostly along party lines. There, yeah. were, uh, there were
1: two Democrats who voted against it. Uh, both are in somewhat Trump-heavy districts. Um, one of, his, one of them is only a Republican plus one district, but Trump won it pretty substantially. Um, we had one sort of Republican vote in favor of impeachment. That was Justin Amash, yep. uh, who is now an independent. Um, because you can't be a Republican and vote in favor no. of impeachment and support no, impeachment. No, like no. That's not a thing. You can't read the—you couldn't
0: have read the Mueller report and still be a Republican. I think that— Right. Right. Yes. Right out. Right out. So, uh, again, it passed as we uh, expected, and that resolution laid out all of the the rules and the guidelines for the impeachment hearings. And yeah. this is this is what the Constitution says should happen. I mean, insofar as the Constitution says it's up to the House, make the rules, it really stands... M- mute on
1: all of the details yeah so and and i mean and ultimately we're not going to get into all the resolution rules i think the only like ones that i think are particularly relevant is um each of the staff councils get 45 minutes so one republican one democrat um representative who is an actual attorney gets to do some interrogation of the witnesses um and that's 45 minutes and uh, today this everything kicked off, and we got to kind of see that in action.
0: yeah, it was kind of fascinating. so this is the culmination of all of those weeks of uh, shift skiff hearings where well, actually let me let me back up. There was one thing about the resolution I thought that was important that talked about the topics that they were focused on mm-hmm. and They tried to draw a very clear, you know, what I like to say, chalking the field. You know, so this is where we're playing. We're not talking about things far afield. We're not going to talk about taxes. We're not going to talk about any of the other vaguely or not so vaguely criminal things that people believe the president has done. They won't talk about emoluments. They'll talk about, you know, abuse of the office. They'll talk about... Specifically, all of the activities around the interactions with the Ukraine. And this is important because it gives them the ability, people like Shift the ability to corral conversation and lines of questioning during the hearings.
1: Yeah, and it also suggests that when they do eventually get to the point of um, issuing uh, impeachment clauses, that they are going to... Keep it very well restricted to what's going on with Ukraine. They're not going to talk yes. about all the other stuff.
0: And that's you know, that's something to me that that is pretty important. Um, it helps them with messaging because I think we all know that the purpose of these hearings is for public support. I mean, I think the Democrats are like, actually, we have all we need. Um, but we've, you know, it makes sense to do the hearings. The American people need to see more information. And so they don't expect that people are going to read the transcripts of the shift skiff interviews that have been done over the last, you know, three weeks, which have all been released now. Right. Hundreds and hundreds of years. certainly the Republicans are not going to read those. Oh, so. no. no. <laughs> I mean, they even admitted to it. Why would I read those? It's all a hoax. Right. So these are really to help. The American people understand what's going on, and in a part of me says, "Ah, why are we?" You know, that's just political theater. But the other part of me says, "TV is a very powerful theater." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And you know, it turns out that today started with new information. I mean, so who did we have today? Who was testifying?
1: Yeah, we had Bill Taylor and. Uh, Kent uh, forgetting his name because I forgot to put it in the notes. <laughs> I just saw this.
0: <laughs> okay, so William Taylor while well, you're looking that up, William Taylor George is Kent. George Kent. So William Taylor is the acting uh, essentially the acting ambassador to Ukraine. So he's yeah. in charge of the diplomatic mission, et cetera. Uh, kent is a undersecretary of state specializing on eastern europe and the ukraine and fine wear of bow ties really yes. really good suit, yes and uh, and
1: Nalgene bottles
0: yes that was i mean he was
1: not gonna he was not gonna uh i like that he wants to be well hydrated yeah yeah and he, he's thinking about the environment That does suggest, though, that he is biased against Trump because, you know, environment, climate change. Or maybe
0: he just wanted to bring his own water. That could be, too. I I don't... Do you blame him? So I, I think one of the things that I really... I really found interesting and sort of surprising right at the beginning was William Taylor, who, remember, is a guy who didn't want this job. He, he had been the ambassador to Ukraine uh, under a couple of other presidents and then left, and when the previous ambassador was unceremoniously recalled, he was asked by Pompeo to take over the, the job. And he said in his opening statement, said in his release statement last week or two weeks ago, in his opening statement today, he didn't really want the job. He had some trepidation because of the things... That he had heard had gone on, yeah. Um,
1: and so, and we'll hear more about that on Friday, I suspect. But yes, yes. So he came in
0: and sort of started by saying, "You know, in the last week, I've heard other new things, like one of his staffers who had overheard a previously unreported call with Trump, where Trump was hammering on." Ukraine for investigations.
1: So, yeah, so uh, there was a call that was overheard between uh, Sondland and Trump where they were talking about basically the quid pro quo. And uh, yeah, so he said, a member of my staff could hear President Trump on the phone asking Ambassador Sondland about the investigations. And the investigations is basically covering all of sort of what we've talked about right. with Biden and et cetera. Um, Or political rival, as he's being called right. in some press outlets. And Sondland's response to Trump was that Ukraine was ready to move forward. And so we know that there was a planned interview with CNN Yep. Uh, that was going to happen about two days after this all sort of blew up. And they decided to—and the defense money was— Pushed forward so that Ukraine could actually have that, and uh, Zelensky ended up canceling at that point. So, kind of interesting. Uh, just like it's just another little bullet point on this. I mean, yeah. ultimately, a lot of what we're hearing is what somebody else heard. Yes, and it's and it's going to be in order to make the case. It's going to be building those layers. Of yeah, that. and it really felt today that the Democrat.
0: Uh, The Democratic line of questioning was about connecting Donald Trump to the efforts. Yes. So sort of in maybe an anticipation of the defense being, well, Donald Trump didn't know what was going on. Yeah. It was all that Giuliani guy or Sondland or somebody else.
1: Yeah. I felt like they didn't really, it's like they didn't really feel like they needed to make a lot of the case around the quid pro quo itself like that the press has already sort of covered that so like let's move on to the next thing yeah um although when the democratic
0: council so each party had an attorney there to ask questions and they got you know those 45 minutes so uh daniel goldman is the was the democratic uh council there and he asked a question that said "Uh, you know whether or not uh, you call it a quid pro quo or bribery or extortion, isn't it clear that there is an exchange? You know. Yeah. So, you know, they they were trying to diffuse that a little bit, and I think I kind of appreciate that they're trying to take. Okay, you don't want to call it a quid pro quo, which is ridiculous, but fine, just call it what it is. It's bribery. Yeah. Because bribery is specifically enumerated in the Constitution as an impeachable offense.
1: Yeah, well, and it's, it's interesting because it seems we've moved past any notion that the asking for an audience or the, the whole offering of an audience in exchange for the investigation, that seems to be sort of off the table in terms of what anybody's trying to deal with at this point. Like, Democrats don't think that's enough. Republicans think it's not enough. So we're not sure. talking about that. We're all very much focused on the money being withheld. And the Republicans seem to be pushing the notion that, well, there was no quid pro quo or bribery or extortion, though they didn't use those terms, um, because the uh, because Ukraine didn't know that was on the table until fairly late in the game of all of this going on.
0: Yeah, I heard a few different lines from them. One is a. None of the witnesses have actually had firsthand knowledge. So it's back to the, like the whistleblower. Like, right. Oh, he wasn't actually there. And so they were questioning the, they were questioning the witnesses today. Like, well, you didn't actually hear anything, did you? You weren't on those calls. You didn't talk to the president directly. Um, B, that, hey, this happens all the time. So it's, it's fine. And C, there could not have been a, any kind of quid pro quo, ah, by definition because <laughs> the Ukrainians didn't give us anything. They didn't the investigations were
1: never announced. Right. And uh, you know, you know, it would have been interesting in a parallel timeline had Zelensky gone through the CNN interview. Like had this all blown up like a day maybe two later yeah. and Zelensky goes through with it and then You've got the quid and the pro quo, like, for sure. Right, Or even better, if
0: whoever was doing the CNN interview says, okay, well, that's really interesting to know. Is that because you haven't received the military aid yet from the U.S.? Right, right. And watch Zelensky, like, furiously talking to his translator, trying to figure out how to answer that. Yeah. Uh, So the Republican attorney is Steve Castor, and I just feel like we should note them both. Um, there's a really great picture of what I think of as hell, where Steve Castor is sitting in between Devin Nunez and Rep- Representative Jordan from Ohio, and they're both leaning at him. I-, I can only imagine. I don't. I don't know what's going on between
1: them, but I would never want to be. <laughs> I think it was. What the hell was that? <laughs> um, <laughs> like the overall reviews of uh of his interrogation of the witnesses was uh not good uh no, <laughs> no. but you know i mean <clears throat> to be fair to him the case that he's trying to make here if you will is pretty bad i mean yeah. there's not like there's a lot of room to, i mean normally there's what no you have with c- cross examination is i'm going to try to poke holes in your rep- prep- representation of the facts but there's really not any room to do that, no. I and mean, we've gotten multiple people confirming this. So, yeah, it
0: really seems odd, but maybe maybe not odd, uh, but just generally weak that all of the arguments are, well, we can't talk to the whistleblower. Uh, the you're not allowed to have a hearsay in a court of law. Again, irrelevant. You yes, know, this happens all the time. Doesn't really kind of irrelevant. No, it doesn't. Yeah, um, and you know, there was really no logical, factual argument put forward by anybody. It was all trying to impeach the witnesses. Yes. To use the word again. Yes. Yes. And sort of make it seem like not a big deal. Right. And one of the things that I I wonder about is. Is the idea just to muddy it up enough or give the right sound bites? Because some of the, the arguments are logically inconsistent or even at odds with one another. So you have to admit that it happened to say that it's okay that it happens. Yeah. And then it's hard to then go back and say, well, you don't know what, you know, you... We've just said that what you've reported is totally okay because it happens all the time, but you don't know that it
1: happened. you got to choose one of those things. Right, right. I mean, I feel like basically what they're trying to get to is plausible niability, essentially. It's like saying, okay, we know what's going to happen in the House. It's going to happen just along the party lines that we've already seen, where it's going to be all the Democrats vote in favor of it except maybe one or two, none of the Republicans vote in favor of it. And then it goes yeah. to the Senate. The question is, what happens with Susan Collins and uh, Cory Gardner? And, like, are they in a position where they feel they can comfortably say, the case was not made, I'm going to go ahead and, and vote against this? And, and have that yeah. ring true to their voters? Or are they going to get into a situation where they have to vote for it because— there's too much of a case made and they don't want to lose on the other side of that equation i think if one
0: republican votes to convict in the senate that would be
1: shocking okay uh, and that you know and ultimately though there's a cost to and, and the cost of that though depends on kind of how this all unfolds right because it's like if they have a plausible reason to say, okay, this is BS and I'm not going to vote in favor of it, then they vote against it and they don't necessarily pay as much of an electoral price. Yeah. I mean, I guess it
0: depends on the definition of plausible. For sure. So if, if you look at all the facts and say there was certainly a campaign to pressure the public announcement of the investigations and i think you know for me what it comes down to is two things one the president never said corruption in the call with Zelensky that everybody's supposed to read read the transcript um and two they required not really a starting of the investigation but a public
1: statement right and also in, before this even happened Trump actually cut funding for support of corruption investigations in Ukraine. So like we already established that he doesn't really care that much about corruption. Right. He doesn't talk about corruption on the call except for what he except for the Biden investigation. Right. And yeah. And
0: you you look at all that and you say where do they where do they try to build some kind of you know mental bridge to feeling like they're justified in saying he didn't abuse his power. Yeah. And academically I'm curious to see the contortions that Steve that Susan Collins goes through. You know, is it right. like Well, you know, her her argument about Kavanaugh, right? Well, I mean, everybody extorts a country when they're in college, right? Right. Right? You know. <laughs> I mean, Man, I, like <laughs> I said
1: I was a Republican at one point, so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That explains the Guatemala incident. Well, in a, <laughs> true story. Steve can't go to Guatemala. Anyway. The, but that's enough about that. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say it's much ado about nothing because we know the outcome. Because I do believe that it's important to, to go through this process. We have to say that at some point, it's not just redefining what's normal and okay. At some point, we have to say... This is not right. Yeah. It's not okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's sort of reconnecting with our our constitutional values and trying to sort of, like, set some kind of decorum to all of this. And, like, you know, yeah, they're going to, you know, be monkeys flinging poo, you know, to try to cover this up. But really he's trying. I mean, like, I, I kept imagining, like, as I saw, like, the video of uh, sh- uh Adam Schiff and uh, uh, and Kent and Kent with his bow tie and everything like I'm like I just want to kind of like sepia tone the video like if right. like it was like ah oh, remember those days of yore when we had a you know very formal conservative system of government and yeah I, it was there was a hope actually I had I, I really
0: appreciated Adam Schiff's opening statement in terms of the. It being reasonably measured, and at least pretending to try to be high-minded about it. Yeah, oh uh, yeah. And then Devin Nunez was Nunez, right? And used phrases like "star chamber." And I mean, it was <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> Cults, yeah. I mean, one. I yeah.
0: I barely I barely smashed my monitor. Like listening to him. Well, yeah. And I
1: kind of had this, you know, obviously work day, had it just sort of playing in the background a little bit. And every so often I, you know, glance over. And um, when a Republican started rolling, like, so, like, there was the opening comments by Schiff, there was the Democratic attorney, and then, like, Nunes started going, and it was just like, okay, I can't, I can't. Like, no. Yeah. It was, it was difficult. And I, again, I'd
0: like to believe that it wasn't just because I'm, you know somehow you know because I'm biased against it but it it like really felt insane like it was yeah. it, and a, a more coherent rant than we'd get from the president but a reasonably incoherent series of well, buzzwords it has to be incoherent because it has to be like ticker.
1: it's it's all the facts are so very clearly in com- in conflict with what they're trying to say it has to be incoherent Shake I mean my that's head. the thing. Like all of this is a, is a fundamentally about throw out a bunch of crap to distract, to make it seem like well right. anything might be true, and so therefore nothing is true. So what was your favorite quote from today? Uh, I don't really have any favorite quotes. Uh, I mostly just loved the Nalgene bottle. That's really my favorite part of the of the uh, uh, testimony, but. What do you got? I mean
0: i I do appreciate the Nelgene bottle, <laughs> but I really liked the question uh, the question from Steve Castor talking about you know how foreign policy was being handled, and essentially it was, so was the foreign policy handled in a weird way like it was a ridiculous way. Was it as ridiculous as it could have been <laughs> <laughs> I mean. I don't know. Which timeline are we on? <laughs> no. Actually, now that you mention it, thinking about the players involved, everybody was wearing pants. That's, that's a very good That's voice. not guaranteed. <laughs> so I guess you're right. It's not as ridiculous as it could have been. That's, like that's right. So you're saying the president broke the law. I think he did. Did he break the law as much as he could have broken the law? Or as much as you would have expected. Yeah, there was a there. There weren't a lot of bodies. You know, yeah. there could have been more bodies. So who knows? It's like actually, you're right. I would have expected more criminality here. Good on him. He does I, set the bar uh, fairly high for that. Yeah. So, Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah, it was kind of a sort of surreal. Look like, what. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where you're trying to get here, there, man. Maybe he's trying to get fired. It's like when my wife asks me to fold the clothes and I just crumple them all up in a ball and say, that's done. (laughs) Hopefully she'll never ask me to do it again. He's just hoping he doesn't have to come back tomorrow. Yep.
1: (sighs) Okay, so so
0: that's kind of that circus.
1: Yeah. Um, So, yeah, just real quick, yeah, more uh, happening on Friday. Going to be talking to the former ambassador to Ukraine. rougher rougher note taking game I mean, this week <laughs> just it's it's a Marie Yovanovitch. yes so friday we'll be hearing from marie Yovanovitch. right um, she was the
0: aforementioned ambassador to the ukraine who
1: was yes. unceremoniously yes. recalled and this also goes back to the pressure campaign that was uh, put out there to try to get her removed from office yeah. from all of uh, the various friends of uh, Rudy Giuliani gets us into the whole r- Mafia Rave thing. So should be <sighs> good. I really am hoping that
0: Mafia Rave is part of the testimony.
1: Well, and there was the other one, fraud. Uh,
0: guarantee. Fraud guarantee. <laughs> I mean, yes, please.
1: Either of those things needs to get into the public record yes. there. So that takes care of that, which gets us to the usual Circus 2020. Election Circus 2020.
0: We've got some uh, comers in. We've got people leaving,
1: people coming. That's right. Which do you want to start with? Uh, Let's start with the people leaving. That always makes you feel better at this (laughs) point. (laughs)
0: I don't know if you're going to like this, but okay, well, yeah, so people leaving, one on each side, one on each side. On each side? Yes. Oh. So, on the Democratic side, who do we get to say goodbye to?
1: Oh, goodbye, Beto.
0: Goodbye, Beto.
1: You know, and actually, what's interesting to me is that not only did he leave the race, but he also expressed that he wasn't planning to run for office again. So, it's like, he's done with this. I mean, who knows? But uh,
0: I mean, do you think he's really never running for well, office? Well, I thought he again?
1: was born to do this, so you feel like he's going to have to do it again since that's why he was born. But I mean, <laughs> you know, what do I know?
0: I mean, I mean, I I expect him to run again. I think he should run again. He's not.
1: No, no, i I, he's I You know, it's, it's he just,
0: fine. He outkicked his coverage. Yeah. You know, I mean, he he I think thought that he was going to come in and he was going to be amazing and awesome and everybody was going to love him um and I, uh, that just didn't happen um and that's okay right like it was a very packed field he might have had some kind of um he might have had some kind of lane if it weren't for the 26 other people running um, but he didn't he doesn't he's out. Also, Mark Sanford, former congressman from South Carolina, dropped out
1: today. Okay, I, I have a question for you. Mark Sanford was running. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, Russ. I feel like we did talk about. Yeah, we did because we yeah, talked yeah. about the Appalachian Trail and all that sort of stuff. Well,
0: yeah, he's been good running time, for. Mr. Let's see, today is November the. Th- he's been running for two months.
1: Well, it's about how long it takes to hike the Appalachian Trail. So he's out. Okay. There goes our hope for saving the Republican Party. No, no, Bill Weld, man, <laughs> Bill Weld, he's still in
0: there. Joe Walsh is still in there Joe too. Joe Walsh, yes, yeah. Jesus. Okay, so
1: so I those two have so left. Uh, apparently there's a new entry into the Democratic primary. Yeah. Do you want to talk
0: about the absolute entry, or the con- or the the pe- person who
1: everybody thinks is going to answer? I'm almost, I'm almost not sure which one that is, but... I know, that's fine. <laughs> Let's talk <laughs> about Michael Bloomberg. Who's got the Bloomberg? most money? Let's talk about him. Michael Bloomberg. Former mayor of New York. Michael well, Bloomberg. I'm sorry. Are you, you mean Bill de Blasio. Here He already dropped out, dude. What are you talking nah, about? No, 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 I mean Rudy Giuliani.
0: No, that was a different race. Uh, uh, yeah. That was the hearings. Okay. Hold on. No, no. I think I do mean Michael Bloomberg. <sighs> I, I, I think he said, we don't have enough billionaires in you politics. Know,
1: I have to say, I, honestly as a as a Warren supporter, cool. Hop on in, sir, cuz he's not going to take any people away from Warren. No. He's not going to take anybody away from Bernie. No. Nope. It's going to be Biden, maybe Buttigieg, you know, the the cats that I am the less other bees. in favor of. Yes, it'll All be of it'll, the bees. Yes, the killer bees from will the fight bees. each other.
0: I mean, when I saw this, I'm like, really? It's the B lane. It is the B lane. I like it. All I like right. it. And then the story that like Jeff Bezos was encouraging <laughs> him to run. It's
1: all fits. It's all fits, Boy, the man.
0: Conspiracy of bees. I know. He's like, well, I had a meeting with my kitchen cabinet <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he recommended that I run. So right. Bill Gates not available. It counts if it's first name. Right. So, so. I guess he's filed in a couple early states. There are states. Basically it seems like he's like
1: keeping his foot in the door at this point. Like, I'm not sure, but like I'm filing so that I can do it if I really want to. And he's got a giant pile of money so he can immediately hire a bunch of people to go out and canvas for him. So Yeah, and and let me be perfectly clear, like
0: I believe that Michael Bloomberg has done a lot of good with every town. I think that's a really good a good organization. They're doing some, doing the right things. Yes. Around gun violence. Yes. Keep it up. That's great. I, Keep I, doing that. You know what? Instead of running for president, just do that. Yeah. <laughs> All four. Um, nobody's going to forget the stuff Nobody's going to let him forget the stop and frisk. Yeah. And that's at, at the end of the day. You can't win the Democratic primary without support from the African Americans. And he's got a huge...
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that going well for him. Um, Also, you know, and then you think about, like, okay, those more, you know, fiscal conservative sort of elements of the Democratic Party who really want big soda taxes. Like, I don't really see that working out. Uh, I don't know who he's... Like, I assume he's trying to sort of fit in that same lane as, as Biden, but I don't know... How that's going to work.
0: Uh, yeah, I feel like it's just sort of general fear. I, and this kind of speaks to the next one as well, Deval Patrick. Yes. So Deval Patrick is, you know, former governor of Maryland. Yes.
1: No, it was Massachusetts.
0: Somebody who is very well regarded. I And we talked about him early on. Yeah. And I said, Deval Patrick, yes, please. Yeah, sure. Like, jump in, man. There are only
1: 400 of us in there, but that's great. We'll take him. Um, but it's uh, November. Even if the weather feels like January, yeah. it is November.
0: But he said, you know, the field has gotten worse. So he's definitely
1: in the... The field has got Like, I don't... What does I, that even mean?
0: I don't, I don't know.
1: Marianne we had 20-some-odd people, running. like, and then a couple dropped out, like...
0: Deval Patrick has officially announced that he's going to run.
1: See, here's a uh, Okay, I understand I understand how Bloomberg works because he's just going to have a big pile of money and he can right. spend that money. He can buy a bunch of ads. He can hire a bunch of professional people to do professional things. Cool. It's not like Deval Patrick has a pile of money he's sitting on. And how is he going to, like, get ground game in Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina and all these places? Like... I don't know. I don't... I don't. I mean, I assume that he's done a little bit of research and thinks that's actually possible. Uh, uh, shrug emoji, I man. Really, I don't know. Really would love to have him explain it to me. I mean, do we think he can get to the debate in December? No. I
0: mean, <laughs> if you can't get can you to get, to the, get de- the
1: donors, because you can always buy the donors, effectively. Yeah. But
0: I mean, I mean, it's just a really odd. It's odd timing because of how hard it is now to get actually in the race. Yeah. You know, because we have people who have been in for a while longer who I think are just as viable, you know, a bullock, right? But he's shut out because he doesn't have the, the broad-based support. It's not like Deval Patrick comes in with either a pile of money or, uh, you know, name well, recognition. Well, you know, here's
1: a, another thought I just had as I was sitting here drinking my beer. Um, as many of my thoughts happen, Maybe the theory is of trying to pick up the votes that are sort of still sitting out there. So you've got you've got Biden, and you've got Warren, and you've got Sanders, and you've got Buttigieg. Those four basically, depending on which poll you're looking at, are controlling yeah. 70 80% of the votes. But there's still who are the, the Klobuchar voters going to go to, who are the Harris voters going to go to, who are the Booker voters going to go to. And yeah. so maybe the theory is there's sort of this non B lane that you can then somehow get into yeah no idea I mean I don't see like is Andrew Yang's gang gonna go vote for him I don't think so no the Yang
0: gang I, I don't know that like other you know like other candidates I don't know that his strategy is anything other than be a moderate alternative to Joe Biden a
1: moderate
0: alternative to Joe Biden An alternative to Joe Biden, who's a moderate. But I thought Joe Biden was a moderate. He is, but I think that the fear is that (laughs) Joe Biden is losing. Oh, Oh, he is losing. I know that. So people are like, but if Joe Biden goes, who are we going to have that's kind of moderate? Because we need a moderate. And so Deval Patrick is
1: like, not only am I moderate. Because clearly nominating somebody who's progressive and energizing to people would be a very bad idea for winning an election. I don't know. I think it is. I think you're right. That's a terrible idea. Oh, yeah, well. That's why go. we're
0: not political strategists. But right.
1: But I, I am... Also, you should run more TV ads because that gets me better money.
0: I am Anyhow. curious to see what he's going to do in the next two weeks. See how it takes off. Yes. And, I, you know, I, to be honest, I, I wish him luck. You know, I, I again, I think he's an interesting candidate. I wish he were one of six people running and had been running from the beginning.
1: I I don't really wish him luck. Like, I mean, I'm just like, you know what? Like, if you wanted to do this, you should have done this. Like, none of this, like, oh, look, I think there might be an opening at the last minute. Like, do you want to be the president of the United States? Do you have a vision for what will make the country better? Then run. I get to bleep that out later. Yes, yes, you will. (laughs) So, the thing is, we're saying he's too late.
0: It's not, you know, last minute. We're still eighty some odd days from Iowa, you know, and there there are a lot, of a lot of delegates. A
1: time. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, you've 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 been involved in running a campaign, like yeah, yeah. that's not much time.
0: <laughs> it's not a ton of time, but it's still not like he's he's getting out there in January. I don't know. I, I I'm really I am happy that
1: he's engaged. And that's, let me put it this way. What I want to see from him, and maybe he's already said this and I just haven't seen it. I want to see him present why he's doing this. Why it's important for him to be in the race at this moment. And what his vision is.
0: That's not a negative reason. That's not just like, uh, the really progressive people are winning, so I'm going to run. Right.
1: You know, like, uh, yeah. Because if he comes up with some pablum about, you know health care is a is sort of a human right if you pay into it but not really like i don't know what he's i don't know what his vision is and so that's what i need to see i did like npr said patrick's decision is
0: about as last minute as it gets for a candidate who still wants to compete in the early primary states
1: and doesn't have a billion dollars so okay so fine it was last minute but
0: yeah because the new hampshire filing deadline is friday
1: Okay. Well, I'm sure he'll get one percent there, and that'll be really exciting. Um, and you know, maybe he's just well, maybe gonna- he's got a little advantage in New Hampshire just being proximate to Maryland, ish. Massachusetts is Maryland ish. I, I mean, Northeast is all the all. Right yeah, next to each other, and I so. think he
0: can align himself with with Obama pretty well.
1: So again, we'll see. Well, we'll you see. know, that's an interesting thing. Is like. Because Obama has not endorsed anybody, and Biden keeps giving the implied like Obama endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe Obama's going to finally be like, that guy. That Because that actually would that would carry weight. As much as I have some frustrations with Obama and all that sort of stuff, I know that many people will be like, oh. And, and that would actually be pretty powerful for him. Well, and just remember, I think Biden's
0: pseudo-endorsement is saying, I can do those fancy handshakes. I think that's his...
1: You know, the more I think about this, the more that feels like that could actually be what's going on. Because, like, all of, like, the Obama, more moderate types are like, this is going to shit right now. Because Biden is train wrecking. Buttigieg is, they don't really trust that he can do it. And you've got Warren and Sanders looking like they're in the best position right now. So maybe it's just like, all right. Pull the ripcord and like we're gonna say, this is our guy, and we're gonna like really actively back yeah, him to so try the, to take
0: this. The establishment is Obama. The deep 2. state 0. has
1: come for us.
0: <laughs> Thank you, deep state. And of course, Hillary has said she's lots feeling a and lot of, of pressure. What he said: yes. many, many, many people are 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 encouraging me to run, which looked like a quote when I saw it. I swear that could have been a Donald Trump 2015 quote. Well, Many, yeah. many, many people are encouraging
1: me well, to run. The know, best people. As far as I, it goes, like, I'm sure every person she talks to says she should run. B- what does that mean? I mean, like, you know, I'm sure that if I started, like, flirting with running for president, a bunch of people around me would be like, yeah, you should do that. I think you'd be a great president. I've had people say things like that. They're wrong, but it's nice. <laughs> I appreciate it. And maybe that maybe they
0: actually are getting confused, and it's like, no, 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 not run for president. We we actually just meant that running is great cardiovascular exercise. Right. That's right. Actually, what we said to you in 2015 just got got mixed up. So yeah.
1: So uh, if you haven't rated us on iTunes yet, be sure to do that. And when you do, make sure that you pressure EJ to run for president.
0: Exactly. Exactly. I did. <laughs> I do want to say one more thing about the circus. I again, there's there's a lot going on. I, I would say the biggest piece of news outside of new people running or not running or forgetting to run or threatening that they're going to run um, was the most recent poll well, in Iowa that yeah, had Buttigieg. Yeah, Buttigieg
1: up like up by like one, sure. but it was pretty, in the pretty damn close. Of error. Yeah. Um, so it's looking increasingly like we've got a. Three- or four-way heat between Buttigieg, Warren, Sanders, and Biden. Um, The thing that's interesting about all that is, like, we've seen Biden start falling. Yeah, We've seen Sanders pretty much staying steady. I mean, that guy is steady as a heartbeat. Yes. Uh, Too soon? (laughs) Uh, Warren... Kind of hovering where she's been, and then yeah. you know she had Warren obviously plateaued. Increased. Yeah, she's kind of plateaued, and Buttigieg has now sort of risen up to be competitive with with where Warren's at. So, you know, I mean, ultimately, if you think about the grand scheme of the of the election, if you have Warren and Sanders splitting the progressive vote, they can still both go to the convention and yeah, and make their case there, and they can decide that whoever's going to win. Uh, you know, Buttigieg will, you know, he's, he's going to have a tough time getting more you know, past. You know, he's not going to yeah. cut into Warren's support or Sanders' no. support, so he's got to get it from somewhere else.
0: And I, I think Buttigieg's path has to be he has to win Iowa to have a chance in South Carolina. Oh, yeah. And the South Carolina, you know, whether or not it's true or not true, it definitely feels true that. South Carolina is going to be the first measurement of the of the African-American support for any of the candidates. So and, you know, traditionally that voting block in South Carolina especially has been very pragmatic. So um, and the, the anecdote that's told is that Barack Obama polled very poorly there until he won Iowa. Yep.
1: And, you know, yeah, no, it can definitely shift things. I think yeah. it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, so yeah, so that that wraps us up. Uh, but let's talk about beer since oh we're God. here and recording. Uh, we've got a new place we're at this week. This is our Although, second attempt. This is our second attempt. Yeah, our first successful attempt. Uh, but we're at Maplewood, and, um, and Maplewood is it's a distillery as well as a brewery.
0: It's down on Maplewood Ave. Just south of Elston.
1: Right near uh, the uh, the movie theater. Yeah. So you could come here after yeah, the Yeah, and Owen and, & and
0: Engine, if you've never been to Owen & Engine. It is fantastic. Fantastic place. But Maplewood, I, I will tell you that any place I'm at, if they've got a Maplewood beer on tap, I'm going to have it. They are – actually, I've had all of their hazies, and they have many hazies. Um, and it's really been – they're all fantastic yeah, today. Yeah, I mean, I'm
1: not we've, – we've discussed this before. Yeah. I'm not an IPA guy, but the Son of Juice is actually pretty good. So
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm having the that's, Beyond Neon, a, which is a double dry hopped. Okay. Hazy IPA. I mean,
1: hopped, hopped, and then hopped
0: some more. Oh, man. So good. It's still crisp for, for being all those hops. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really like it. And can I say that your beer – Smells better than any beer I've ever smelled.
1: Yes. So I'm having the Kappa Brulee. Um, so Kappa is their series of Imperial Stouts. The Brulee, obviously, sort of a creme brulee uh, play. And it is delicious. It clocks in at about 12.5% alcohol. Right. So yeah, I'm surprised uh, you got through three of them. Right? <laughs> no, no, I'm... I'm about two thirds of the way through the one, and uh, feeling pretty good. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, no, very cool location. I'm glad we were able to get here. The first time we tried to record here, it was a Friday. It was a little too loud, and so we decided to go give up and ended up, I think, at Goose Island, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I yeah. think. Yeah, was that the? That we was went the. Everywhere. That was the bar crawl night that we did. So. Yeah, so check them out uh, if you get a chance, and I think that pretty much wraps us up. So, thank you for joining us, everybody. Yeah, and thanks, we'll, everybody. Uh, catch you on the local podcast.
0: Hey, and keep watching public public TV, listen to public radio. Impeachment hearings are going to be a blast. Absolutely. All right, take care, everybody. Bye bye.